You can turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 2. We'll look at the first 12 verses, or the text is also printed on the next page of the bulletin for you. Uh, This is the passage uh, that gives us one of the iconic pictures of gift giving. Uh, The history of giving gifts at Christmas often points back to when the wise men, the the magi, uh, they brought their gifts to the newborn Jesus. So when these mysterious men came out of the east following the mysterious star that they were following, they came to celebrate the young Lord's nativity, bearing birthday gifts for the one who had been born a king, Israel's Messiah, the Christ. So those magi worshipped the king uh, better than they knew, probably. But now we know even better all the reasons for celebrating his birth, for celebrating uh, what we celebrate at Christmas time, the incarnation of the Son of God, celebrating Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, God has been infinitely generous toward us. He has given us great gifts. And when we truly enjoy his gifts, we respond in kind with generosity. We can reflect God's generosity with our own gifts. And so those are the kinds of things we're going to talk about this morning. So let me pray, then we'll read the scripture. Father, have mercy on us. Be gracious to us as we consider your word. We pray for your Holy Spirit's help in Jesus' name. Amen. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men came from the east. Uh, They came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, who are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise be to you, O Christ. Uh, So we don't know much for certain about these magi. Uh, Some have said they were kings. You know, we're going to sing a song, We Three Kings. Uh, the fact that there are three of them, we don't really know that. We assume because maybe, you know, because there's three gifts that are mentioned here, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Uh, maybe they came, you know, we know they came from the east, but not from where? Right? Persia, uh, Babylon, maybe. We're not really sure. So magi, or in the Greek it's pronounced magi, uh, but it's translated here wise men, right? They were usually 
priests and experts in uh, mysteries. And so, um, you know, the ESV Study Bible, it's a good little resource. It says that they practiced astrology, dream interpretation, magic, and uh, they studied sacred writings looking for wisdom. So you see their kind several times in the Old Testament in the courts of, you know, the Pharaoh in Egypt or the courts of Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. The wise men, the magi, are called on to give special insights and counsel. So uh, during the exile, Daniel served as one of them. He was one of the magi, Uh, even though he was a Jew. Uh, served in the courts in Babylon. So these wise men who came to Jesus, they were not Jews. And that's a pretty important feature. That's a central feature of this story. Uh, So much of the whole story of the Bible focuses on the people of Israel, the people of the land of Judah, which is sort of southern Israel. That's where we get the word Jews from. Uh, God had promised to bless this people, the Israelites or the, the Judeans, but not just the the people of the Jews, to bless all the peoples of the world through them, and especially through their king. So Israel's king, a long time before, he had been big news, pretty big deal among foreign peoples before. So you see in 1 Kings chapter 10, King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom, and the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom which God had put into his mind, every one of them, all these people from surrounding nations, brought his present articles of silver and gold, garments, myrrh, spices, etc. So it was customary when standing in awe before great kings to give gifts, to express your admiration of them as your superiors or even to place yourself at, at their service. So there's this precedent in the Bible for this. The great King Solomon, who received gifts from afar, foreshadowed the even greater king, the even greater son of David, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's Lord at his birth, the Lord who needed no coronation in order to rule the world. So Jesus was born king of the Jews. But he received the worship of these wise men. They came and worshipped him, these wise men from the east. While those of his own country... Here in this passage, sought to kill him. People like Herod, later the chief priests, and eventually all the people in Jerusalem, representative of the people of Judea. So, as these Eastern Magi bring their gifts, they're a picture of all peoples. Bringing our gifts, our talents, our skills, our wealth, our very selves, to express our admiration for the Lord Jesus Christ, our King, a picture of all people, come into his presence to worship him for who he is. As prophets foretold so many times, all the nations would flood into the people, into the family of God. They're bringing their gifts, bringing themselves to beautify the temple, to beautify God's house. So as Tim read in our Old Testament reading from Isaiah 60, you know, speaking to the chosen people of God, he says, lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. Your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult because of the abundance of the sea, the sea of the Gentiles, the sea of the nations. 
shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. And then you get in, the, in Isaiah 60, these names of tribes and nations who were descended from Abraham, like the Jews were, except not Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the people, you know, the, all the sons of Jacob. <clears throat> they were descended from Abraham through his concubines. So they were the illegitimate sons, right? Not from the line of Israel, not children of promise according to the flesh, but apparently <clears throat> children of promise through faith still. So in Isaiah 60, you know, these gifts come from Midian and Ephah. They're the sons of Keturah. You can read about that in Genesis 25. Uh, Sheba, um, they bring gold and frankincense. They'll bring good news, the praise of Yahweh. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered to you. Uh, that's the sons of Hagar. Read about in Genesis. The rams of Nebaioth shall minister to you. Sheep from a different fold. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar and I will beautify my beautiful house, God says. <clears throat> so God makes his house, his people, his temple, his church, beautiful. When he fills it with Gentiles, people from every tribe and nation, people like us, bringing our gifts. This is the beautification of the house of the Lord. This absolutely does not mean that we give gifts to God in order to buy his favor, to make him happy with us. Uh, it, it means we give ourselves and we give all that we have to him in response to his favor. In response to his gracious acceptance of us, which is what comes first. That's exactly what happened in our passage here, the wise men didn't come bearing gifts to curry God's favor. To get Jesus to maybe, you know, remember them when he got older and came into power. To get names for themselves as those who gave the best gifts, right? No. When did they give their gifts? It was after Jesus was born. That's the first verse there. After Jesus was born. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. God had already favored them, and already he has favored us <clears throat> by sending his son into the world to be the king, the Messiah, the savior that we need. God had already remembered them, and God has already remembered us. And it wasn't that you know Jesus would eventually go on to become someone important who would do great things and remember those who helped him. Here he was. It was already true. That was the miracle. He was here. That was the gift of God that preceded and surpassed all other gifts. The mere presence of this little child who is God with us. That's the gift. Any attempt to curry God's favor with gifts after this fact would be all wrong and backwards, and it would belittle this gift. <clears throat> so the gifts of the wise men to Jesus, they're a response to God's gift. God's gift, here he is, Jesus. Their gifts is, are only as a response. Even as a newborn, without much to offer in worldly or human terms, Jesus was already God's gift to us, and his gift comes first. His gift comes before any of our gifts. Any gift we give can only ever be a response to God's gift of Jesus to us. In fact, God's gift comes before any of us are even in the picture because the very 
life of the eternal God, the very life of the triune God, is gift. Before there's any creation, before there's any human beings to give himself to, in the eternal Godhead, before all worlds, before all peoples, the Father gives himself to the Son in the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Son reciprocates this complete self-gift to the Father, again, in the person of the Holy Spirit. So, Michael Downey wrote a book called Altogether Gift. I've got a couple of quotes from him there in the bulletin. Altogether Gift, a Trinitarian spirituality. He says this, What is most mysterious is God's superabundant life pouring itself forth. The love of God who gives and gives again, but is never emptied in the giving. This self-giving is at the very heart of who God is. The incomprehensibility of God lies in the utter gratuity of life and love in God's constant coming as gift. God is inexhaustible gift, given, and gifting. This is who God is and how God is. That's how God is. That word is means being. That's how he has his being, right? It's not just that God is generous. God's very being is gift. Gift given, gift received with thanksgiving and delight, gift reciprocated. Mutual gift. That's the life of God. That's who the triune God is before and above and apart from his creation. That superabundant life is mysterious. It's fascinating. It's wonderful. Creatures like us have to receive before we have anything to give. We have to receive first. And we have to inhale and breathe in before we can exhale and breathe out. I have to first receive my very existence as a gift in order to even be me before I can become someone who gives. Right? It is only possible to give because we have first received. David prays this way in First Chronicles 29. Who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you and of your own have we given you. So our ability to give is dependent, utterly dependent, on the God who gives first. But God is eternally breathing out without running out of breath. He's eternally, perpetually giving. It's the very first thing that he's always doing. And there never was a time before he was doing this. It constitutes his very being. So when God gave his son to the world, Jesus, born in Bethlehem, That's just God being who he is, gift given. The good news of Jesus Christ is full of gifts from the very very beginning, from God's generosity in the garden, all the way to his gracious promise that we will rule at his side forever in the new heavens and the new earth, giving all reality to us as a gift. And everywhere in between, the story of the Bible is the story of God's gifts to us, though we could never deserve even the gift of our own existence. 
And the great gift of God is found in the incarnation of his beloved son. He is just the gift that we didn't want. I mean, you know what that's like. You know, on Christmas morning, you open some package of some ugly, odd thing that definitely wasn't on your wish list. Maybe your kids got you a weird thing or your mom got you ugly socks or something. I don't know. (laughs) Right? You know. And you smile and say, oh, thanks, dear. (laughs) Right? Uh, This illustration always sticks in my head. Harry Potter, if you've seen those movies or read the books, right? Uh, Ron. Ron is Harry's best friend. Ron's mom is always making hideous sweaters for him and for his brothers. Uh, one Christmas, he opens the big box to find a vest with big R. It's this ugly vest with big R sewn onto it, and you can see the pain in his smile. <laughs> and his mom insists, just what you wanted, actually. <laughs> Jesus is the gift we didn't want for sure. But God knows he is just the right gift for us because this gift means relationship with God that never ends. That's why sinners didn't want this gift. I mean, the definition of a sinner is someone who doesn't want a relationship with God, someone who's rejected God, rejected his gifts. We certainly don't want the gift that, that continually reminds us of our sin. That there's something deeply wrong with us, that we need a savior to lay down his life for us. But God knows just the right gift for us. And Jesus is the gift that we can come to adore as we behold his love, his self-sacrificial generosity. He came to give his life for us, to give himself to us. He came to live for us and die for us, to rise from the dead for us, to go into heaven for us. This gift is the foundation and it's the substance of our relationship with God. This gift is our salvation. So, so many times in the New Testament, you read things like the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. By grace, you've been saved through faith. This is the gift of God. God has freely given you the gift of his son just to be received. That's your part. Just to be received. Together, the Father and Son have freely given you the Holy Spirit as well, the gift life of God himself to dwell in you and to make you alive with his own life. And Jesus has given various, you know, specific spiritual gifts to you and to all his people for the building up of the church, the temple, God beautifying his beautiful house as you give your gifts that reflect his generosity and his grace and his gifts. Not only has has God given gifts to us, the Father has given us to his Son as a gift. Jesus talks about that in John chapter 3. He says, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. You're, You're part of that gift. You are God's gift to Jesus one for which he is truly thankful. And one day, you will also be Jesus' gift back to the Father. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, in the end, Jesus will deliver the kingdom to God the Father, and God will be all in all. Gifts are just flying around everywhere in the Bible. So like I said in this week's email newsletter, 
<clears throat> there are legendary gift givers that you know we have in history. People like Saint Nicholas, uh, Santa Claus comes from him, right? Um, Good King Wenceslas, others. They can't match the holy generosity of the true giver of all good gifts. So again, Michael Downey says, our first response to gift is not to respond, but to receive. And then, without burden of cost or interest, to live freely with the gift, in the gift, and from the gift. God is gift. Receive him with thanksgiving. Enjoy him. Fall at his feet in worship like the wise men, because he's given to you, even to you. Gentiles, outsiders, illegitimate Children adopted and welcome into the family. Then let his gift life come alive in you after you've received him. Begin to respond as he renews you in his image. Again, like the wise men who then opened their treasures and gave gifts. Respond to God in kind with your gifts, your talents, your skills, your wealth, everything that God has given you, even your very selves as you've been brought into the church to beautify his beautiful house. Don't just give because, you know, you like to feel good about yourself as a, as a generous person. That isn't how God gives. That's not why God gives. Give as a reflection, a picture of the selfless generosity of God's love that we see in Christ. So what kind of gifts can you bring? I mean, you can bring your help to others in various ways, specific ways. You can show your love You can show your kindness through material gifts, through service, giving out of your substance, um, giving out of your livelihood for the good of others. You can also bring your need to others. That also is a contribution to the beauty of this place in the name of Jesus Christ. You might think it's a strange gift to bring to the church, bringing your need Asking for help, it's not even a gift, right? Admitting you're in distress. In worldly human terms, that's not a gift. That's like asking for a gift. I need a gift, right? So maybe you think only the wealthy have something to give. Only those who are full, only those who are strong and great have something to give. But each one of you has gifts that can bring out the beauties of God's church. And sometimes that means just being who you are in your need, asking for help so others can love you, others can provide your need. Jesus did that. Even Jesus did that. The gift of God came into the world as a baby. That's a gift. It's a gift that takes a different kind of strength. <clears throat> being strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus means Humility, vulnerability, dependence. So whatever gifts you give, if you give them in order to curry favor with God or others, uh, earn a name for yourself, that's miserable. (laughs) That's miserable. But as a response to God's gifts, as a reflection, as a picture of God's gifts, through faith in Jesus Christ, the greatest gift of God, with the life of the gift God, alive in you, your gifts are miracles. Your gifts are wonders that this world cannot comprehend. 
Talk about that when you're giving and receiving Christmas gifts. I'll close with a little from 1 Peter 4. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we depend entirely on your gracious generosity. Apart from your gift, we would not even exist. But because of your gift, and especially the gifts of your Son and your Holy Spirit, we live. And we know you, and we have relationship with you and with each other, all because of your gifts. We can even love as you have loved, hard as that may be to believe. We can even give as you have given. So we thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. And we pray that you'd help us, each one, to receive your gifts and to participate in your gift life, however you have called each one of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.